You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove Podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Just a quick reminder for everyone, the Arts Madness Tournament will begin in March when listeners will vote for their favorite artists in a series of head-to-head matchups. I'll be releasing a mini-episode every day up until then, so you can get a quick refresher on all 64 artists in this year's tournament. I have the brackets linked in the show notes, along with a form where you can predict the winner for a chance to earn a prize and give a shout-out to a favorite teacher so they might win a gift card. Remember, I'll be using my ad money for the month of February for prizes, so the more you listen, the more I can give away this spring. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at M.C. Escher. When I was a teenager and I was first taking an interest in the arts, I remember going to the mall. That's how long ago I was a teenager. And I went to the poster store looking for for some interesting stuff I could hang on the wall. And this is one of those times where I realized like the downfall of gaining all of your knowledge through books. I went to the I went to the person behind the counter and I said, "Do you have anything by McEscher?" And it took them a moment to realize like what I was even talking about. And then finally with a a slight smile and I think the most kind and charitable response, she just said, Oh, we have some wonderful prints by M.C. Escher right over here. And that's where I saw, you know, some some big images of, you know, the relativity, the ascending, descending, the circle limit, and some other designs that still blow my mind as I look at them. M.C. Escher had a fascinating way of depicting the world using the rules and familiar elements, but putting them together in a way that was just mind-boggling. 
he played around with perspective. And I, I think that's one of the things that really stands out about his work. As he was developing his, his drawings, he would often look at things from unusual angles, from extreme vantage points. Uh, there's the picture he made inside St. Peter's, the Basilica. And we see these arcs. He's sort of like looking down at it. And I, I, I read an account where someone asked him while he was sketching, doesn't that make you dizzy? And he simply replied, that's the whole point. M.C. Escher's work, whether it's his tessellations, his transformations, the hand-drawing hands, it was a little bit surreal, but it was more than that. It was transformative. Now, just a little bit of background on Escher. Moritz Cornelius Escher was born uh, June 17, 1898. He's from the Netherlands, and as a kid, he was kind of sickly. He had to go to a special school and while he was skilled in drawing, he struggled in pretty much everything else academically. He actually failed the second grade. He continued to struggle throughout his education. It's kind of ironic when you consider the fact that his tessellations show this intuitive sense of geometry, and mathematicians and scientists have long been drawn to his work. He actually, later on, when he was making his career, he would do lecture circuits at the colleges, but like I say, he struggled a bit in his own academic performance. That's not to say that he didn't love to learn, though. Early in his life, he was studying art and design. In 1922, he went traveling through Italy and Spain, and he was particularly impressed with the architecture he looked at 14th century palaces and fortresses, and he sketched the elaborate tessellations that he saw. That would, of course, come up later in his work as he became so well known for his tessellations. I think the most interesting thing, though, is the way that he would recognize and build out those patterns of tessellations and then break them down. We see that happening in his metamorphosis piece, where it starts off on the left side as black and white bird shapes that morph into a cityscape that then becomes like a chessboard. Escher had this interesting ability to draw things that were based on careful observation of the real world, plants, animals, architecture, landscapes, and he would follow the rules of technical drawing and still, at the same time, upend our expectations with these unusual and unexpected connections. I think that's part of the reason that his work is so appealing to such a broad cross-section of people. He's got the rigorous academic work that is polished and appeals to the nerd in me. And at the same time, he's got these mind-bending shifts in perspectives and the metamorphosis and these sort of dreamlike, impossible realities that would appeal to surrealists and enthusiasts of psychedelics. Maybe that's why during his lifetime, he would receive fan mail from the mathematician Roger Penrose and he also got fan mail from the rock star Mick Jagger. Interestingly, when Penrose sent a copy of his paper, Impossible Objects, a special type of visual illusion, to Escher, 
Escher replied, sending him a litho of ascending and descending. When Mick Jagger sent him a fan letter, Escher wrote back, asking him not to refer to him by his first name. I think in that there's something telling about the personality of Escher and perhaps what limited his rise and his success. At the start of this season, I talked about um, Salvador Dali, and I shared the story of Dali in the diving suit and basically doing everything he could to scream for people's attention. I have a quote here from, from somebody who actually knew Escher in his life saying, quote, he was quite a square on the surface. Not a fascinating character like Salvador Dali. He didn't play up the press, wear wacky clothes and a mustache, and hang out in Paris. He wasn't interested in abstraction or cubism. He was a quiet guy, interested in his work. Modern art was really interesting because it was very conceptually driven. Artists were trying to get away from the signifiers of specific times and places and make something that would be a little bit more universally relatable. The surrealists were doing that in a really unusual way by by doing these free associations, trying to tap into the unconscious mind. They were trying to cut through the illusions of rational order of the world around us and get down into some deeper, more meaningful truth that's in the subconscious mind and all of that. It feels a little bit ironic when you consider like modernists were trying to get to something more substantive and less about these, you know, sort of flamboyant fashions that that, you know, would distract <laughs> and some of the the leading figures of that day and of that movement were people like Picasso and Dali who were so loud and flamboyant. Asher was quieter though. He was more thoughtful as he created more subtle works. Often in black and white, they provide a break from the din of the world around us. If we'll just sit and be still and take time to let our eyes wander through the composition, to shift our perspectives and open our minds to consider these impossible realities. Now, if you want to go further down the rabbit hole and learn a bit more about M.C. Escher or Dali and Surrealism, I'll link a few more episodes in the show notes. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.